Hey, Rody fans, welcome back to episode 5 of Ballin' with B-Show. I'm your host, Gavin B-Show, and we're going to get right into the episode with two games to uh, recap and two games to preview. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get into URI's first game from last week, um, last Sunday against UMass. URI got out to a quick lead, 12-4. Um, then UMass went on a huge run. Uh, I think it was 19-2, uh, 19-2 run. And ended up leading by six at the break by URI. And every time URI started chipping back in the second half, UMass answered with even more punch, which um, really led to the demise of that road team in that game as UMass prevailed to get their first win in the A-10, 77-70 to uh, at home. Uh, disappointing game for Rhode Island. It was more of a trap game than anything for Rhode Island going to UMass. It was... Um, Knowing not going to be a blowout win, um, so that's why I think it was um, easily a trap game. URI shot 33% from the field, 51% from the field goal uh, line, and 81% from the free throw uh, line, which is uh, pretty good in general. But um, 17 turnovers, uh, turnovers are huge for this Rhode Island team, and they cannot win games turning the ball over 15 plus turnovers a game. That's why I think is the main reason why they lost against UMass. Also, the defense was not good against a team like UMass. I know they're they're very good three point team, um, but this defense has to do better if they want to go farther in the A ten. And yeah, so nothing really much there in the UMass game. Just poor defense, bad three point defense, a lot of turnovers on offense. So the box score for that game: Surrealange five fifteen points, seven boards. Jeff Downheads. 13 points, 0 for 6 from 3, though, which really uh, killed Rhode Island. But the player of the game is Tyrese Martin, freshman. He's been doing great things for this team. 5 for 7 from 3 with 23 points, 3 boards, 3 assists. He really helped this Rory team get back into that game when they got down, and it just wasn't enough for Rory to come back and win that game. What really killed Rhode Island in that last game, though, for UMass was um Carl Pierre. He was uh I think it was somewhere between six for nine or six for nine from three. Twenty two points. Pipkins only had twelve, two for fourteen from the field. That's something that's just um really, really bad. You can't have their best player only score twelve points, go two for fourteen, and then lose by seven. Of course Pierre did very good and Everyone else had uh, added some. Laurent had 10. Holloway, 9. Baptiste with 8. Uh, Pipkins, of course, with 12. But they've got to do better in general. they got to do much better um, against a three-pointer. And Pierre killed them. Every time they had a run, three-pointer. Every time they got a bucket in transition, uh, a turnover, another turnover, tra- uh, transitions to a three-pointer from Pierre. So we're going to move on. So then you look at the URI schedule at Duquesne, hard game. Um, but you see the first half, they go up 42, 41-22, a 19-point lead for URI, and they blow it in the second half. They get outscored 53-31, to and they lose 75-72. Disappointing game from URI. Very disappointing. Uh, frustrating to see in that regard. But overall, mostly came down to turnovers and free throw shooting for URI, which... Um, Really killed them. Free throw shooting. Langevin, of course, great game. Player of the game. 
24 points, 10 for 16 from the field, 8 boards. Martin had 10 points, had some couple key threes on the stretch. Down with 12, Russell with 9. And then little add-ons from Tate with 3, Thompson with 6, Silvero with 5. Came off the bench, was very good. Team stats, 9 for 19 from the free throw line. That is just terrible, 47%. That's 10 points right there, at least. If you make half of those, that's 5, you get the win. But look, surreal Langevine, 4 for 13 from the free throw line. That really kills you. That really just, that's 9 of your missed free throws from one person. He's got really got to work on his free throws if he wants to get to the next level and win games for this Rhode Island team. And Duquesne really just shot the ball well from 3 in the second half. They had 11 for 33 from three-point land. A lot of shots taken, a lot of shots made, but um, yeah, that really killed them because when you look at it, uh, Hughes, uh, the guard for Duquesne, 5 for 13 from three. He hit a lot of big threes down the stretch. was really killed Uriah's momentum. And Uriah had not as much turnovers as Duquesne, but Duquesne, I think, had 12 or 11 turnovers in the first half. Ended up with 18. Uri had, I think this is the reason why they really got into it. They had one turnover in the first half. Only one turnover in the first half. That's very good. And I think that's what led them to get out that uh, quick start. And then had nine in the second half, which really, really killed a lot of their drives and their momentum. And which really led to the this loss um, this crucial game that they needed to take care of, but, uh, didn't happen. So, this moves Rhode Island, of course, to 4-4 four and four in the A-10, 11-9, and they got a very, very hard schedule next. We're going to St. Louis, uh, home versus St. Louis on Saturday against a good St. Louis team who's lost three straight games against... Duquesne, Davidson, Richmond at home against Richmond, so that's something to look out for. But Javon Bess had 31 against Richmond their last game, so he's um, a very good player. He can really play the game uh, efficiently and well. Sam French, 12 boards. So what to look out for, of course, Javon Bess, uh, Tremaine Isabel Jr., Hassan French, Jordan Goodwin. They have a lot of, uh, how do I say this? They have a lot of, Weapons in that Billiken arsenal. Best averages 16.5 points a game. Hassan French, 8.4 boards. So, almost two blocks a game. And, yeah, that's just something to look out for. Best, 38% from the free throw, uh, three-point line. So, you really got to guard him, out, guard him out there. And, yeah. And, again, we can talk about the loss of Kartar. I think Cartier Gordon, I think that's his name, who left early in the year uh, to transfer. It's a big blow for this team, but they've really stepped up. Not in the last three, of course. I think their games, not saying it luck, but their games, they're very close games that they should have handled that they didn't. They've really um, got what not got what they deserved. But they pulled out a lot of games that I don't think they could have pulled out. So it's kind of like a tit-for-tat kind of thing. And 
Javon Best, of course. You gotta repeat, Javon Best, Javon Best, Javon Best. He's their best player. He can really hoop. 42% from the field. Shoots 80% from the free throw line. <laughs> so, I mean, you really gotta cover him. And Hassan French, you gotta keep him out of the paint because not not just he'll score, he'll get offensive boards, create shots for Javon Bass and Tremaine Isabel Jr. and Goodwin for uh, St. Louis. So I think Rodney's got to stick with the man defense. They played zone against Duquesne. It really killed them. Duquesne got a lot of three open threes, which didn't really happen against St. Louis in the zone when they played them. But they got a lot of threes against it. So Javon Best is now taking a bigger role with a loss of the transfer. So he's really just going to stroke the ball. And that's what he's going to do throughout the whole game. So I think you got to really play tight defense on him. Which is hard because he's a very good player. But it just got to happen if they want to succeed in the A-10 and beat a very good team at home. Next for Rhode Island, of course, is a very hard game. They have to travel to Davidson. They've got a lot of weapons on that team. Kellen Grady, of course, the sophomore, 17.4 points a game. Shoots 46% from the field. And then the senior, John Axel Goodmanson. He gets steals, he assists, he averages 16.2 points a game, 7 rebounds, uh, 45.5% from the field, 32 from 3-point land. Very good player. Luka Bradjokovic, wait, Luka Bradjokovic, I think that's how you say his name, 11.1 points a game, 6.2 boards, 53% from the field, very efficient, uh, 44% from 3, so that's something to look out at. And Luke Frampton can really shoot the ball. I think he hit like eight threes. I forget who it was against, but he hit eight threes, which tied a school record. So he's averaging 10.8, shooting 38% from the uh, three. Kaishawn Pritchett, another great player for this team. Uh, he shoots 40% from the field, 81% from the free throw line. So they've got a lot of tools, this Davidson team. They can hurt you in many different ways. If it's on the offensive glass, three-point shot, uh, driving penetrate, driving kick. So they've got a lot of weapons, a lot of tools, and they can just hurt you in every single way. So that's the recap on Davidson. Um, but if you want to look at more than the next, URI's schedule consists of those two games. Then they have to come home against Dayton. Um home against Fordham, then they have to travel to VCU, and then home versus Davidson. So it's a big stretch in the end of the year, home versus George Washington, at Dayton, at St. Joe's, and a home game against UMass. Might have to revenge that game. So not easy for a round, which really they needed those two wins, one or two wins, uh, to really get a momentum stride going into this uh, final push for the A-10. And... If you look at the standings right now, currently, URI is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, seventh place in the A-10 at 4-4. Four four. St. Bonaventure at 4-3, and three, St. Louis at 5-3, VCU at 5-2, and two, Duquesne and Dayton at 6-2, and two, Davidson's at 6-1, and one, and George Mason in first place at 7-1. Blower Island style at 3-4. George Washington at three and five, St. Joe's and Richmond at two and six, UMass at one and seven, 
and Fordham bringing up the rear at 0-8. So that's what uh, A-10's going on right now. A team that's pretty hot right now is Duquesne, of course, and George Mason. Those two teams have really been taking care of business uh, the way they're supposed to do. Uh, they get two big wins versus URI and then St. Louis. So they're obviously doing something right. And Davidson is on a three-game win streak. They beat Richmond, George Washington, and St. Louis by one point in a low-scoring affair. And, of course, George Mason's at the top. They have their one loss against Davidson. But since then, they beat URI, beat UMass, Fordham, Dayton, George Washington. They have a at v- VCU, so that's something to see on Saturday right after you watch that URI game <laughs> versus uh, St. J- uh, St. Louis. So, Richmond got their second one of the A-10. And for Richmond, you see a lot of people stepping up. More of the next man up. You have Gilliard taking a bigger role. Nathan Keo, who's very doing very, very well in the um, A-10 right now. He's probably one of the most improved players in the A-10, if not the best. And then you have Grant Golden, big man. So, that's something to look at. And the UMass loss, I don't really see it. I see it as a trap game, but the UMass loss, how do I explain this? UMass is a team that's gotten a lot of tough breaks um, in the A-10. I mean, they beat Providence, not going to lie. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, lose to LaSalle by 9, lose to St. Louis by 3, lose to Dayton by 5, lose to George Mason by 5. Lose by 18 to VCU. Lose to St. Bonaventure by 14. Beat Redon by 7. Lose to Saint, uh, LaSalle by 9. So they've had three or four very close games they should have won, but just didn't. So that's something to look at as well. And VCU, of course, they lost to URI, but then they came up with a win at Duquesne. Duquesne didn't really get their inside game going, so that's really what really killed them which they did get it really quick going against URI. But then URI, of course, went up 19 at halftime, and then the rest is history. Uh, URI takes the loss at Duquesne, which is uh, shows the inconsistency and the young how young this team is. So URI's got a tough schedule ahead. They really got to push this A-10 if they really want to um, get a top-four seed, which I don't think is out of the question, but you need one of these teams to fall off. You have... Six good teams up there. You have George Mason, Davidson, Duquesne, Dayton, VCU, and St. Louis. You have to have one of those teams fall off, or just you have to win. You have to just to win consistently. Aim for 13 and 5, 11 and 6, uh, if you really want a chance at that. Um, if you want a chance at that four seed, but if anything, a five or six seed where you have to play the four seed is also important too. So. That's something for that. And some news. Actually, it concerns E10, but not the play itself. I saw a source that said that at the Barkley Center, where they will have the A10 tournament for the first time since two years ago, I think. Uh, they moved it because the uh, the ACC tournament. But I'm pretty sure they had, I think it was a first-come, first-serve kind of thing going on for the tournament where that you'd buy tickets for this um how do what, what do you call it the uh not the section the hmm you buy tickets for the the, the games the package for the games 
and it's kind of first come first serve. As you get there, you get into there for um for the two games, most likely for the package. You get I think two games, and if you get there an hour before and get there to the front of the um rows, you can get the front rows. So that's something cool. You only have to buy a ticket. Uh, well, you do have to buy a ticket, but buy a ticket where specifically? So if you want to sit behind the URI bench, if you get there early enough, you can sit behind the URI bench. If you want to sit as close as you can to the court, get there early, sit as close as you can to the court. So that's something neat that I found out about the A10 tournament. And I'm glad it's in Brooklyn. I'm not going to say it's a more centralized um, place than a place like Pittsburgh or um, Washington, D.C., but I think it's more neutral. Because if you're in D.C., you have places like, I don't know, Richmond, VCU, less than two hours away, or two two or three hours away, if anything. Uh, George Mason, of course, is also close. That's also right near D.C. And in Pittsburgh, you had Duquesne. You know, a lot of Duquesne fans there at PPP, PPG Paints Arena. And I think Brooklyn's more... Um, neutral, I think. I think St. Bonaventure is a couple hours away. Ryan's a couple hours away. UMass is more than a couple hours away. Duquesne. St. Louis is a plane flight. <laughs> I mean, Fordham's a couple hours away. So it's not as, um, uh, not biased, but it's less, it's more neutral. And if anything, if it wasn't, if you don't want to call it that neutral, there's more fan bases. So it brings more competitiveness, um, uh, if you want to um, say that, it's not more neutral, even though it is. And I personally like it because if you want to go to Pittsburgh like I did for the A-10 championship, I don't have to take two flights that are 45 minutes each um, and wait an hour between them to go to Pittsburgh. I can just drive three hours to Brooklyn, and there you go. So that's something about the A-10 tournament. Um... I really think this A-10 tournament is going to be very competitive due to the fact that you have so many good teams. There's not a real, a real drop-off. It's kind of a transition. You have George Mason, Davidson um, at the top right there, and you have Duquesne, Dayton, VCU, St. Louis all there, and then that kind of meshes into St. Bonaventure, into Rhode Island, to LaSalle, George Washington, all the way to the bottom of the pack. So I think those bottom five or six teams won't survive, but above five or six from like the... Um, from the 9 to 8 seeds up, I think everyone's got a shot in this A-10 tournament to win because it's so unpredictable, and that's why I love about the A-10 tournament. Not really, I don't really love it when you're the 1 seed, like last year, and you lose, but that's what it is. Yeah, a good team like da- uh, Davidson beat a team same, like St. Bonaventure, coming in and win the A-10 tournament. So, again, this is going to be a competitive tournament. It, the rest of the season, I can't wait to see how it plays out, hopefully in a good way. And that's that's it right now for the A-10. Looking to um, just look over the cross the country. Right now we have a couple games going on. Uh, Purdue and uh, Penn State. Purdue leads by nine at Penn State. Houston trying to avenge their only loss, 13th in the country, against Temple. They're up five at home uh, during the end of that first half, 32-27. And... That's pretty much all that's going on for college basketball tonight. We're going to get in uh, in depth to the Power 5 conferences as we've done <clears throat> as we've done in the last couple of 
episodes. So we're getting the Big 12. Kansas taking a lot of losses here. They're in fifth place in the uh, Big 12 at uh, 5-3 and three in the conference. They've lost, I think, three straight to uh, Texas. They lost one to Texas. They've lost to, I'm trying to think, West Virginia. And there's one more. TCU, I think. TCU? Let me let me check. Is it TCU? I think it might be. Three of, oh, they lost Kentucky. So three of the last four. They did beat Iowa State, though, who's at the top of that conference. So Kansas State in first place at 5-2, and two, tied with Baylor, another great team. And they have Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Kansas tied at 5-3. and three. So that's a very competitive conference. Those five teams I just mentioned can all win, I think, are the teams that realistically can win. And I think it's going to be hard for Kansas to repeat and continue their uh, dominance in the uh, Big 12. So, yeah, we're going to move on to the Big 10. Now, I see a lot of mix-up. Michigan lost, and Michigan State, of course, gaining uh, big time. I, uh, Michigan did beat for uh, Ohio State by a lot. I think it was a 20-something or 18 17. But look at this. Number 5, Michigan, tied with number 6, uh, Michigan State, in first place. You have number 17, Purdue. Number 21, Maryland. Number 24, Wisconsin. And a couple teams that could be in that top 25 that just aren't. So, Big Ten, very competitive. I can see those five teams winning. Maybe Iowa or Minnesota. Uh, but that's really it in the Big, uh, Big Ten. It's very competitive, and I can't wait to see that tournament play out. Especially Michigan, Michigan State. Can't wait for that game. So let's move on to the my favorite Pac-12. Um, no team in the top twenty-five. Washington leading at eight and zero, looking to really run away with that regular season title and win the Pac-12 championship. The Utah Utes at five and two. USC, Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State, Arizona, and UCLA all tied at five and three. And, again, those teams can really win it. And they all don't have really good records. So if this plays out how I think it will with Washington dominating the Pac-12, if they win the Pac-12, it's a one-bid league. If they don't win the Pac-12 and they have a very good um, rest of the season, I can see a two-bid Pac-12, maybe put them in the first four. But um, they have to do really good or else I don't think they're going to get in because of how weak the conference happens to be. And then we're getting to the ACC. Again, very dominant. Probably the best league. Virginia seven and one. Duke seven and one. Louisville at seven and one. Uh, North Carolina at six and one. Virginia Tech at six and two. Syracuse at six and two. NC State at four and four. And Florida State at three and four. Uh, that teams I can really only see winning the ACC. I mean, not only, but there's a lot of teams. I see Virginia win it. I can see Duke win it. I can see Syracuse win it. Can't really see Florida State. I can see NC State, may, maybe. Florida Tech, uh, not Florida Tech, geez. Virginia Tech, I can see winning it. Just not that much, though, if they run into Virginia, like they did last time, lose by 22. Yikes. Louisville. Um, they have to, I think they have more to prove, even though they're 7-1. I think they got to show a little more fight. Not that they're not already, but do better against teams in the top 25 in their conference. North Carolina depends on the day. Because this team could show up 
and be a great team, basketball team, top 10 easily. But they also show up and be look terrible. So you never really want that happen in a great tournament like the ACC. So we're going to get into the final Power 5 conference to cover the SEC. Tennessee and LSU are tied at 7-0 with uh, Kentucky gaining at 6-1. and And there's a pretty big drop-off from there. You have South Carolina, Ole Miss, both good teams, but teams I don't see winning the conference. And they have Alabama, Florida, Mississippi State. I don't really see anything going on there. I wonder when Tennessee plays LSU. Oh, that's in a while. They go. They travel to LSU. That that would be a huge game. Uh, that would be a game I would love to see. Two great teams in the SEC that are succeeding. Tennessee at nineteen and one, LSU at seventeen three. To really um, be a great game, I think it'd be more of a shootout style game. So, looking forward to that and the SEC tournament and a team sneaking up a dark horse right here. Not really a dark horse because they're ranked less than LSU, but. In the SEC, they're lower, and yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, Kentucky, a team that came into the SEC not struggling. They came in at eleven and two. Um, I wouldn't say they're playing their best ball. They weren't winning games um, that they had chances to win against. Um, for example, they lost against Alabama. That's when really, people really uh, seemed concerned about this team. Uh, early in the year, they lost to Seton Hall. At home, or is that at home? Yeah, it was at home. And well, I'm looking at their schedule now. I don't know if this is because of um, tournaments, but this is the first three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven games were at home. Uh, my some of those might probably can be because of the tournament, early season tournaments. But yeah, Kentucky is coming up from behind. Nothing. Uh, I think getting a big win versus Kansas, uh, crushing Vanderbilt. They have Florida, SC, uh, uh, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and they play, and they, listen to this, listen to this, LSU, then uh, Tennessee at home. So those are two big games back-to-back, and they have to travel back to Tennessee uh, a couple, like a week or two later. So Kentucky's got a rough stretch, not a rough stretch, but um, a very important stretch uh, to succeed in the SEC. They really got to win two of those three games, I think, to show their dominance in the SEC. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So again, you or I had two tough losses last week, very tough losses, uh, turnover city, but they have to bounce back. They have to get, gain confidence in their shooting, and they have to bounce back because if they don't ba- bounce back now, I don't think they'll bounce back uh, uh, at the end of the season with a couple crucial games, Davidson, uh, Dayton, uh, St. Louis, VCU in a couple weeks. So, yeah, that's going to be it for today. And as always, roadie, roadie, roadie.